welcome to the Sophos Lounge, episode number five, recorded on the 30th of September 2020. I'm your host, Ben Vasharan, and with me today is my friend and co-host, Aaron Bugle. G'day, Ben. How you going? I'm doing all right, mate. Uh, recording from a new location. Uh, last time we did an episode together, I actually think we were face-to-face, and uh, obviously we couldn't make that happen this time around. No, no, it's been far too long in this uh, ISO lockdown get up, but um, yeah, we'll be right, I'm sure of it. Yeah, things are looking good for Victoria at the moment, and uh, yeah, actually a lot of uh, a lot of countries in our region are doing pretty well, so good on you, APJ. So Aaron, I, uh, I spoke at an event last week, and I was asked to do a 10-minute TEDx-style talk on anything I wanted. So I actually went for a topic that I think is super relevant, and of course I do because that's what I spoke about it, but um, I wanted to, to bounce a few ideas off you today. So we saw over the last couple of months both Wasted Locker and uh, Mega, what was it? Well, Evil Corp, Wasted Locker, and uh, I think it was Mega Cortex. I can't remember. There's so many stupid threat actor names now. It sounds um, familiar. They all sound yeah. very familiar. <laughs> They really do. But but we saw this trend of exfiltrating data out. And we've already spoken about ransomware, you and I. So let's not talk about an active adversary per se. Let, let's talk about the art of exfiltrating information out of an organization. So Canon got breached. Garmin got breached. I think last time you and I spoke about ransomware, uh, Honda did as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, we saw up to 10 terabytes of information uh, get exfiltrated out of Garmin and Canon. Now, what I want to know, how does someone exfiltrate 10 terabytes of data out of an organization and nobody notices? Because that should be the first red flag that goes off. You've been breached, sure, maybe you haven't noticed. But 10 terabytes of data is a lot. Do you not agree? <laughs> oh, 10 terabytes in, in any language is a lot of data. And I can only think in some of the uh, network locations where this was happening, where bandwidth may not have been great. But I think that's the that's the big crux of it is that these days, so many organizations have got very good and healthy uh, bandwidth through the internet. Transferring large amounts of data is a feature of, of their connectivity to the internet. So, you know, noticing that that 10 gigabyte blast of data, um, yeah, it'll show up in some some bandwidth graphs. But again, you, you bring a very valid point to discussion. Is anybody looking at bandwidth graphs anymore? You know, are they more so looking at the packets and the and the sessions and the IP addresses? And are they just not looking at the bigger picture, so to speak? So I used to work for a large mining and construction company, and we were paying way too much money for things like Telstra links. So probably shouldn't say who the telco was, but we were paying exorbitant amounts of money, millions a month almost. So one of the things that we noticed is every time, say, a civil engineer was leaving or a project manager was leaving, all of a sudden we would see a spike in traffic. But how did we notice that? Well, it wasn't necessarily that we weren't proactively monitoring it, but we relied heavily on a help desk engineer quickly filing a P1 uh, request to say this site's links down or the phones have dropped out we've just got an email through nobody can browse the internet and then of course in our network team in our infrastructure team we would quickly jump on to a uh, you know onto our monitoring tools understand what was going on with the traffic pinpoint it down to an IP address and shut that down 
And it was a pretty refined process, but we had to do it because we had such limited bandwidth. We were paying Blue Coat and Riverbed so much money uh, for WAN optimization that uh, we could, you know, we were trying to do as much as we possibly could with the limited bandwidth that we had in the middle of, you know, central Australia and that kind of place. But as it stands today, and especially with these people uh, that have just rapidly adopted public cloud with the likes of, you know, this pandemic, um, if you're not monitoring that, you've got almost unlimited bandwidth, right? And this is where the problem lies, in my opinion, because it's not that difficult to figure out which, you know, which uh, data center region your customer is connected to. Um, I don't know if you've thought about that before, uh, but you figure out which data center region uh, the say that victim is using. Then you spin up a virtual machine in the same data center. It's not that hard to move a heap of uh, information from from the victim to uh, you know uh, your attacking machine, and I, I think this is where the problem lies. What do you reckon? Yeah, yeah. Let me let me wrap my head around that 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 statement. So you're right. I think going back to to your own previous work experience, you were so acutely um, aware of what was happening from a connectivity standpoint, from a bandwidth perspective that. You had a, you know, you had your own first incident response playbook back in those those dark days of um, of incident response, right? So, being being aware of like, you know, if if a link is saturated, that means the cost is going to go up, especially if you go over say any pre allocated bandwidth. So you you were you were absolutely you know willing to 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 launch into action, and you had a process around like you know stopping stopping that from happening and, and you know releasing the bandwidth for everybody. And and you're right in today's cloud environments where co-tenanted uh, is, is sort of like the name of the game. You're, you're sharing infrastructure and platform and therefore links. Yeah, shoveling around batches of bandwidth and, and data between, you know, neighbours is 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 almost considered a, a thing to do, right? So um, I I agree that, you know, you're, you're going to be putting stuff into the cloud if you're going to be leveraging off the capabilities that bandwidth in the cloud has of shifting enormous amounts of data. Um, absolutely. Why wouldn't you use it as, as something to, to, as an attack method and, you know, even might have their, their TTPs for, for data of exfiltration. Um, I think exfiltration to cloud storage is, is one of their, their sub TTPs these days. So um, it is a big issue and yeah, why, why wouldn't you do it? I guess is, is, is my sort of like assumption here, but um, Absolutely watching watching these types of transactions and understanding just because it's included in the cost as far as bandwidth goes and and moving data around um i'd i'd still be watching it and i've got some interesting thoughts on what we can do there but um i don't think that was a good enough answer but um i think i got lost lost in your question really i don't think it was a question it was more of a statement but um no no uh well let's uh let's go from from here so I I totally agree. It, it's actually an easy problem to solve, and this was this was uh, actually the title of the talk was you know know your normal because you should know what your applications look like. You should know what your cloud traffic patterns look like, just like you would with any any site. You know, even a physical data center. And uh, I, I actually didn't realize that you know Sophos Cloud Optics. Uh, proactively monitors and can establish a baseline of what looks normal, which I thought was pretty cool. But even before you go down that tooling path, uh, if I was an IT decision maker, even if I was a SOC analyst actually and started to think about this, it's pretty easy to simulate. 
it's not a hard word. Like this isn't a hard problem to solve. And this is why I don't understand why more people aren't doing it. We've, we've seen the news headlines. We've seen how bad it's been. Like Canon had data from uh, their data center released online, uh, you know, as a bit of a threat to say, come on, pay the ransom. So there are so many things that you can do, but like the easiest thing would be, well, ask your SOC, ask your NOC, would you detect that amount of data leaving? And if the answer is yes, what do you do? I'd probably go to the post office or an IT shop and buy an SSD, uh, buy something external, they're not expensive, and, and simulate it. It's not like you need to take down an infrastructure to do this, but actually get somebody to, to exfiltrate data. So I would actually get someone to exfiltrate data and, and see if the SOC or the NOC can identify that. Yeah, and 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 that's you make you make so many good points there, Ben. I mean, the, the first thing is that um, if you're not if you're not performing the visibility functions, if you're not looking into the things that are happening in your environment, that is that is the the big part of the problem. So if you're not aware and understanding what's actually happening, and if you have no idea what what normal is, or what are those those peaks and troughs in in bandwidth utilization are that that is a problem because if you don't understand what is happening, if you can't see what is happening, it is it is largely an unknown. So how are you supposed to stop something that that could be a nefarious in, in, in nature, right? So that's that's the first big issue. The second thing, and I mean, just just sort of going back onto something that you said is that these these adversaries these days these attackers even those people that operate on an opportunistic basis uh, the casual so to speak um, their first and foremost thing is to to maximize their return on investment so if they've got access to your environment why wouldn't they exfiltrate data that should be the first and foremost thing it's it's it might be something that happens down at the very end of the threat chain but that that data exfiltration is as soon as they get in if they can do it they're going to take as much information as possible from you to to use that and leverage you they might not be able to successfully launch ransomware or you know you know gain access to active directory but if they've got your financial information if they've got your customer information and they're using that to, to effectively blackmail you that's that's going to cause a whole bunch of problems down the track for both that organization and everybody associated with it so uh, as an attacker thinking with an attacker mindset my my thing is once i've got inside what can i take away and then if I want to double down, maybe I'll drop some ransomware. Maybe I'll just cause some wanton destruction and take them offline because that's only going to exacerbate the problems for that organization. They, they might be more, more than willing to listen to me because if I've done it once, I might be able to do it again. But yeah, I just, just one other sort of point of, of, of interest that I, I tend to sort of look at is I see a lot of these, these SOC environments and analysts and security people with like big fancy dashboards showing, you know, big data transfers and big events and lots of, lots of count things that, that are, that are high in the hundreds, if not thousands, right? Um, duplicate your dashboards and flip them around, you know, sort by descending, uh, by, by ascending, right? So get those, those small little one percent of things that have happened less frequently to be displayed front and center, because usually they're the indicators that something new or unique has been happening in your environment, and they're the sort of like the little breadcrumbs that I like to follow to sort of start to open up fissures where oh gee I didn't know this was happening in my environment, and it might be something I could change to 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 make better security overall, or, or maybe I'm stopping something from forming and becoming a real big problem down the track. But I mean, that's just some, some, some my own personal thought there. Yeah, no, I, I think you're spot on. And 
like if we look at some malware families like Emotet, for example, they we know that they exfiltrate information from clients, mm-hmm. and it's pr- like we've seen code. Uh, within Emotet that scans for like inboxes and tries to find email threads that have got more than a few users on it. And, you know, they pull contact databases and credentials out of the browser. And I've seen some people say, well, it's fine. You know, you can just use a CASB solution and you won't notice uh, documents being lifted out. But I I feel like that's very much aimed and targeted at like a malicious insider. And, you know, when I was doing a little bit of research in this topic um, prior to the talk, people were spruiking or I should say vendors were spruiking, you know, zero trust networking and uh, what is it, SASE, uh, the secure access service edge. And all these things are fine and good. And, uh, you know, security works in layers. I, I still believe that in 2020 um, that it, a layered approach is always valid. but even say with a SASE solution, you're really looking at a firewall within the cloud, right? And yeah, it's got some additional features. And you could have our XG firewall sit in, say, within your Azure or AWS infrastructure. And we've got some pretty beautiful and palatable uh, graphs that you can pull out of it. You can put it into Sophos Central and, and go over the data in Sophos Central, if you like. Um, and other vendors offer similar. But you need to know what you're looking for and you need to establish that norm. So you need to say, well, here's my baseline. And then all of a sudden someone starts really pushing a huge amount of data and chances are that they're going outside of your your CASB solution. They're probably trying to evade detection. Uh, So, you know, they might be SCP in the data out. So they might have, say, remote access to a host within your public cloud. And instead of trying to go through any kind of gateway that's designed to stop that malicious insider, they they might find an alternate traffic path uh, from uh, the victim machine out to uh, their attacking host. So it, it, I don't think it's too hard to bypass, but with all those graphs, you need to know the norm. You need to identify that. And that, that's what I'm trying to ram home now because I'd be very upset if I saw another organization in the news that, uh, had the fate of ten terabytes uh, in the in the headlines and um, customer data lost. Yeah, I I just I just think Benny, we're 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 going to see another one of those things happen. It's just it's just like death and taxes, right? Nothing in life is certain except for death taxes and and somebody else being penetrated by ransomware and having a data breach. So unfortunately, we're we're going to see more. Um, it's a given. And and you're right. I I couldn't agree more. Understanding what happens in your environment and and being able to rubber stamp that as being normal, natural and expected is is absolutely one thing. But looking at that data, looking what's actually actively happening in your environment and saying, you know, do I do I expect that traffic to be happening? Is that supposed to be normal? So, you know, things like, you know, shadow IT services. So if you've got if you've got declared uh, declared um, file sharing solutions like OneDrive in operation in your environment, you know, is there really the need for Dropbox to be running? So having that that level of visibility, but also the ability to understand, interpret, rationalize, and then decide on on what needs to be done with that specific set of traffic. Do we drop block Dropbox? You know, why aren't they using OneDrive? Um, have a discussion with that user to, ch- to change their method of operation because. Like you said, once an attacker gets inside, they're doing the same thing. They're baselining the environment to see what is normal and natural behavior. Oh, everybody's using OneDrive. There's this instance of Dropbox. It's still allowing to be communicated out. 
I'll dump a whole bunch of, of intellectual property into this Dropbox and I'll, tra- I'll exfiltrate it out using that way. Therefore, I can then set up my own Dropbox account, have that data automatically replicated in Dropbox's cloud to me, and then I can download it to my heart's content. So I just, again, yeah, understanding what's normal and natural is, is one thing and then being able to interpret that data and say, well, do I expect to see that level of traffic here? And if not, I need to, to, to conduct a process of, of making sure that I can regulate that traffic and, and, and maybe educate the users and what they should and shouldn't be doing because um, all of these little one percenters, as we call them, they're going to contribute to the overall you know, security effectiveness of the environment. And that's only going to take a small little fracture to allow something to get in and cause so much harm and hurt. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much for your time today, Aaron. I think it's it's pretty simple solutions uh, to solve a pretty big problem. So get out there, understand your normal, establish your baselines and try and detect those anomalies. Um, it's a great early warning indicator that you have, in fact, been breached in 2020. This has been the Sophos Lounge, episode number five. Thank you so much for listening today. And thank you, Aaron. Thanks, Benny. It's been great again. Speak soon, dude. Thanks, mate.